0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, we're in our summer sermon series. We're looking at in-time events. We're talking about in-time topics. We've called it fearless living. And today we're going to be talking about how to live fearlessly in these end times, especially when it's very, very deceptive times. I want you to open your heart. This will be more teaching than preaching, but it's a word that I believe God has for you. I want to warn you ahead of time. It's a deep word. I want you to take some notes. I want you to settle in. I know it's not a shouting and an amen and, and all of that kind of message, but it's a word that we're passionate about that you need to know. In fact, can I tell you, the whole series has been written around this message right here. So it's the heart and the core of the whole series. Bow your heads with me. Let's open in prayer. Father, I thank you. As we open your word, I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word illuminates into our heart. It brings illumination to our life. And Father, it's the very thing that guides us, leads us, and helps us to know, to live out, to walk out your word, your truth, to walk in your light. Use the word today in our life. And all God's people said, amen, and amen, and amen. We've been looking at end time events, biblical prophecy. What does God say about the events at the end of the age? Now, we know Christ is going to return. We know that he will return unexpectedly like a thief in the night. In fact, our blessed hope, we call it, our hope uh, that we're waiting for is that moment when the trumpet blows and those that are alive in Christ and those that have died in Christ are raptured to be caught up with Christ in the air. That is called the rapture. Say the rapture. The rapture is when those that are in Christ, the dead in Christ, the alive in Christ, are caught up to meet him in the air. Now, we don't know when that will happen, but the word tells us that we need to be alert. We need to be, we, need, we need to be aware and expecting and longing for that day. Just like the virgins, that the ten virgins, five were ready and five were not. Five had started with the other five, but for whatever reason, they weren't ready for the bridegroom's coming. For you and I, we must be ready. We must keep our eyes and our hearts alert for the coming of the Lord. Fearless. In our hope, fearless in our faith. Can I get an amen? Fearless in trials and circumstances and tribulation and fearless in our witness that we are messengers of hope. Well, there are over a hundred passages throughout scripture that talks about the events of the end time. It was something that the Lord wanted us to know about. Biblical authors wanted us to know about and something that we must learn and we must study. Today, we're going to look at one key. We're going to look at one thing Jesus says that is going to be a key that we must be aware of in the end days, that we've got to be prepared so that we can live fearlessly in these very deceptive times. We can find it first being introduced by Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's writing to a young minister, his protege, Timothy, and Timothy was pastoring the church, and and he would instruct Timothy in his his pastoral ministry and his leadership, and Paul says this, the Spirit, verse 1 of chapter 4, clearly says that in the later times, in the end times, some will abandon the faith. Now, I want you to underline that if you have the ability to. He says, some are going to abandon their faith. They're not going to stand strong. They're not going to stand fearlessly in the end times. They will abandon their faith. We're going to look at that today and understand how is that possible? Why is that possible? And how do we prepare ourselves for the end times when many will abandon their faith and they will follow? And here's the key, deceiving spirits. Deception that's arising, deception that we must all be aware of and they will turn from from the faith, they will abandon their faith because of that which has been taught by demons. Paul was saying to Timothy, you gotta prepare yourself. You gotta prepare because there's an apostasy that's coming. There's there's a, a deception that is coming and you must, Timothy, and Timothy, as you share it with the, those that you lead, you've got to help them to know that they can stand strong and they can become a, aware of the deception that's coming over the land. Well, we are coming into the end days more than ever before. Can we get an agreement that we are seeing in time events beginning to take place? But we are challenged, and it's our encouragement today to stand strong, to stand firm. Turn to your neighbor, say, stand strong. Come on, poke somebody, provoke them. Say, stand firm. Come on, second service, you gotta, come on, wake up on me now. You already had time to get coffee and breakfast, all right. now we gotta stand strong. We gotta stand firm. We gotta live fearlessly in these deceptive times. I heard this story this week, there was a, uh, there, there was uh, some baggage handlers at the airport, and they were handling the bags, and they were unloading and loading, and they unloaded one of these animal carriers, and inside was a dog. Well, when they looked in the cage, the dog had died. They didn't know what to do, and they were frightened that there would be some kind of lawsuit, that they would get fired, that they had done something wrong, so they thought of the idea that they were going to call the owner and say, we're sorry, but your dog has been sent on another flight. We're going to track it down. We're going to get it back, and we promise that we're going to deliver it to you. And she says, that's okay, no problem. And so what they decided to do is they decided to go out and to buy a dog that looked just like her dog just like that dog in the cage. Now, how many of you have an animal? You have a dog, you have a cat, you have a parrot, you have a chipmunk, you have a mouse, a rat, I don't know what, you know. You know your dog, don't you? You know your cat, you know, come on. My wife and I have a little dog and uh, uh, he's been nicknamed Yellowfoot now. I won't tell you why, but uh, some friends of ours named him Yellowfoot. And uh, our dog, I mean, he's the cutest thing. But I'll say, his name's Dash. Dash, come here. He won't come. He just stands there, looks at me. I'll put food down. He'll walk over and sniff it. And if he doesn't like it, he walks away. Now, I think partly it's because mama feeds him from the table and he's waiting for table food, but I mean, he just doesn't obey, but I know my dog. I, I know, I know Dash and I know his behaviors and I know what's going to happen. Well, they decide they're going to buy a dog just looks like they're, you know, like, like the dog in the cage and they take the cage, they take the dog, they deliver it to the woman. And, and as, as she looks at it for, you know, and she looks in the cage, she says, that's not my dog. That's not my dog. My dog was dead, and I was bringing it home for burial. (laughs) Now, the point of the story, point of the story is it's hard to deceive somebody who knows the truth. And for you and I, we need to be people of the word, and we need to be people that know the truth of God's word. Can I just get agreement? Come on, a little bit louder than that. That we know the truth, we're grounded in the truth, that we understand the truth of God's word and the teachings about Christ, the understanding of, of end time prophecy and events of the end time and things that are going to be coming and happening so that we are not deceived. Now, a chapter, Matthew chapter 24, talks a lot about the events of the end times. There's a lot of things that are mentioned there. We're going to look at one of these items today. And, and, and in doing so, my prayer is that God opens our eyes, that God begins to file some things in our mind, that our spirits become alert, that we become a little bit more guarded to the deception that's around us, and that through the word today that we find strength to walk in obedience. Can I get an agreement today? Matthew 24, look with me here. In verse three, verses three to five, it says Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. I've been there, it's a great place, sitting on the Mount of Olives. He had just been teaching, beginning the teaching of in-time events. And the disciples came privately and they said, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus' answer was, watch out. Say it with me, watch out that no one deceives you. Now, if you're an underliner, I would underline it, circle it, that no one deceives you. Watch out is awaken, be on guard, be alert. Get something that that will provoke you to know, to watch out, because there is deception that's all around you. Many will come in my name claiming that I am am the Messiah, and they will do what? Deceive many. So what the disciples were saying is, what will be the signs of the end times? What is it that will show us that that we're close to the end of the age, that when will this happen and what is going to go on? Jesus begins to give them some signs and one of the signs and the evidences of Christ's return and, and what is drawing near is that there will be great deception that will begin to rise up and many that are in the faith will be deceived. Let's go a few more verses down. Go down to verse 10 of Matthew 24. At that time, in the end times, in the end of the age, many will turn away from the faith. Paul says it to Timothy. Jesus is now saying it to the disciples. Many will turn away and betray and even hate each other. Man, are we not seeing that already happening around us? how the church is bickering, how people in the church are divided, how the enemy's getting a foothold, and and many are already allowing deception to infiltrate into the church. They will hate each other, betray one another, and many false prophets will appear, and they will deceive many people. You see, the key sign for the end of the age is deception. He talks about false prophets and false teachers, I'm pretty convinced. I'm pretty convinced that it's not going to just be false prophets and false teachers in pulpits and preaching from stages like this. I'm pretty convinced that it's going to be false prophets and teachers that are rising up with the philosophies of this world, with the theories of this world, with with all of the values and and the things of this world. It may not even be something that's taught in a church, but it's going to be on media. It's going to be on social boards. It's going to be in classrooms. It's going to be taught in classrooms. Governments are going to be making policies about it. There's going to be deception that's rising up that the church, if they're not aware, will begin to embrace those deceptive theories and thoughts and teachings and doctrines. And therefore, Paul would say, Jesus is saying that we must be aware. There's deception that's going to rise. It's going to be prevalent on the earth. There'll be religious deception, self-deception. There'll be political deception. So much that will be taking place. Webster Dictionary, I think, helps us here to look at that word deception for a moment. Webster says this, deception is the act of causing someone to accept as truth or as valid what is actually false or invalid. and Therefore, there is the act of deceiving. In the end times, the enemy of your soul, Satan, will do everything he can to disqualify you, to distract you, to detour you, and it will happen through deception. That he will make something look as though it is true or valid, And in fact, it is false and invalid, but in the act of deceiving, we as believers, if we're not careful, will embrace it as truth. That's why it's so important for us to know the truth, to understand the truth, because the enemy of your soul will try to get you and I to believe something that is not true. That's why it's so important for us. This whole series is written about it of helping us to be aware so that we will not be deceived and that we, the people of God, will know what right from wrong is all about. Can I get an agreement? Why is that so important? It's because, again, Jesus is saying, in the end of the age, deception will be the primary primary characteristic or sign of what is taking place and that the end of the age is coming. We don't know exactly when Jesus will come. We don't know quite when the rapture will take place, but we know from the extent of this teaching here that there will be much deception. Look around, let's be honest. There's a lot of deception happening right now. Self-deception, false prophets, false teaching. There's religious misunderstanding and deception. So much that's happening that we must be on guard. Another writer in in, in the New Testament, Peter, Peter in chapter two, verse one says it this way. There will be also false prophets that will be among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. A heresy is something that goes contrary to the word of God, to the doctrines of God, to what is good theology. It is something that's introduced that would be maybe half truth or some resemblance of truth, but yet it's not the accurate truth of God's word or the doctrines of God. When we share with you week after week, we keep bringing ourselves back to the doctrines of God. Who is God? The characteristics of God. How do we live ourselves out with God to help you understand how to take God's word and the doctrines of who he is What he's done before and what he's doing now and what he wants to do in your life, that's pure doctrine. But it says that there will be heresies that will rise up, secretly being introduced. Again, I propose to you today, it may not happen in a a pulpit or on a stage or even in a classroom at a church, but it's all around us in society. Therefore, our eyes have got to be open, and we've got to understand that there are deceptive heresies that are rising up. They're introducing destructive heresies, and then he goes on to say, even denying the sovereignty of the Lord, the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction onto themselves. Now, the question is, how will this happen? Well, if we spend some time in Revelation. If we look into the book of Revelation, it shows us that there will be introduced into the world at the end of the age what's called, who is called, I should say, the Antichrist and the false prophet. The Antichrist will be the the, the enemy of your soul, Satan himself's instrument, and he will bring deception into the world. Look with me here in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13 verse 14 the signs because of the signs it will be given power to perform to perform on behalf of the first beast. it deceived the inheritance of the earth talking about uh, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet in order it ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast the false prophet uh, setting up an image of the Antichrist who was wounded by the sword and yet lived, the the miracle that would take place by the false prophet uh, uh, with the Antichrist in verse 14. The second beast was given power, power to breathe, uh, uh, given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Verse 16, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name, which is 666. The question is, how is this possible? Pastor, how will this deception take place that even believers will abandon the faith, that even believers will will turn away from what is true and begin to worship the Antichrist that Scripture is talking about? Well, I think that the stage is being set. I think we can look around and we can already see the stage is already beginning to, to be set before us because many will begin to embrace what the Antichrist's position and policies and and platform will be because of, first of all, the moral decay that is in society. When you look around now, moral decay is collapsing all around us. Older generation can, can say an amen, maybe even better than us of the younger generation. The moral decay of society that's all around. The music of the day, the films of the day, the art of the day, the, the entertainment of the day, and even for us now, the, 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 the social media and the internet and everything, there is a moral decay. Can we just have an agreement around us? What is good is being called bad, or what is bad is being called good. Laws are being made. Things are being accepted. They're redefining the the, the standard of what biblical marriage is. The sanctity of life is not being held up. Sexuality and the impurity and immorality and and, and all of of, of the impure that the Scripture would talk about when it comes to sexuality is being redefined. And everything now is coming up underneath the political Party, and if you support this political party, it means you're against that, or if you support that political party, you're against this. And many times infiltrated in all of it is a moral decay in society. So, how would the deception take place? Is there is a great moral declining and decaying. Secondly, I think we can admit and and we can we can agree that there is a spiritual decay. That is happening within the church, within our spiritual lives, within our within our faith. How will people abandon the faith? It's already happened. It is happening, and therefore, it will be become very easy when they get to the point where the Antichrist shows up on the scene because spiritual decay has already taken place, if we're not careful. What do you mean? Well, you look around the church, and you see... Church as a big C, not just a little C of CLC, but you look around and you see the life of believers looks very similar to the lives of unbelievers. Statistics tell us that statistics in different areas be divorce or, or immorality or abortion and, 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 and divorces and all these other things, they're, they're similar in statistics because between those that are believers and those that are unbelievers. Why is that possible? Is because the church has not been on guard. The church has lowered its spiritual convictions. The church has not pursued God in the altars of God, in the fires of revival, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. But instead, like the world, they've become lovers of self. Seeking self-gratification, redefining what biblical convictions and biblical doctrines would tell us are right and wrong and what are the guardrails of our life, but to pursue selfish ambition and pleasures of our own life, we've redefined the boundaries and now we're not just bumping the boundary, we're moving the boundaries. And there's a spiritual decay, decay that's taking place. Maybe it's our fault as pastors. Maybe as teachers of the word, we've not preached the word, we've not taught the word, and if that's the case, and we receive that from the Lord, and yet we say, God, help us, it's not too late. It can be turned around, we can change it. That we don't allow the values of the world to infiltrate. We don't allow ourselves to be squeezed into the mold of the world, but yet we determine that we're gonna stand on the truth of God's word and we're not gonna accept the myths of society or the values or the customs of the world around us, but that we're gonna be standing strong on the truth of God's word. That we become alert. Why is revival important? Why is nights of plays important? Why are fasting times important? Is because it allows us to become alert. It allows us to wake up. It allows us to see clearer. It allows us to examine our hearts and our lives and say, where has deception wrapped its tentacles around my own heart and my own life and we cut those tentacles off and we get back to the cross. Where is demonic? Yes, where is the demonic? Blinded us to not see the truth of the gospel. See, in the end days, deception will increase. Now, the good thing for you and I is that when we're alert, when we're awake, when we're standing in our convictions, when we're really in Christ... Walking in obedience to Christ, we will become aware of the deceptive spirits. And even if we feel ourselves becoming entangled, the Lord through the Holy Spirit, like an alarm going off in our heart, will reveal to us and help us to break loose and get back to the truth. See, the enemy's goal has always been one goal and has to capture the hearts of God's people and the minds of God's people so that God's people would show their loyalty to the enemy of their soul as to, instead of the God of their soul. So deception, capturing your mind and your heart, trying to get you to be a lover of self, get our minds perverted to buy into these false teachings and values and customs and behaviors and myths and doctrines and all that's happening around us. We must be alert. And let's be honest, there really has been a general corruption that has taken place even within the church. Even within the church, we see that those that should be standing for the truth are abandoning the truth. Those that should be living by the truth have allowed themselves to compromise even in their own life and give into those areas. And it becomes disheartening. We try to define what is truth, what is right. And all of that is setting the stage for deception when the Antichrist arrives. Well, what will it be like? What will the Antichrist be like when the Antichrist arises? First of all, let me tell you, he will be an intellectual genius. He will overwhelm and captivate the world. It will be as though he has these supernatural, uh, superhuman intellectual and, 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 and powers of intellect that will, 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 will capture the world at a time where there's a lot of chaos. Not only will he have intellectual uh, intelligence that are, that'll be off the charts, a genius, but he will have the ability and oratorical genius in how he communicates. It will be as though the world is swayed into a hypnotic spell on every word that he communicates. Over and over in biblical passages, it shows us that the Antichrist and the focus of his, his leadership and his role will be his ability to speak, his words that are communicated that will bring peace in the midst of a lot of turmoil. It's not on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to Revelation 13 and verse three. It begins to set the scene for us of what I'm talking about with the Antichrist. It says the whole world, who? The whole world. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast, the Antichrist. Men worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast and they also worshiped the beast and they asked who is like the beast who can make war against him the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies to exercise his authority for 42 months he opened his mouth to blasphemy God and to slander his name and the dwelling place of God and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every, by the way, it's interesting there, he was giving authority against who? Against who? The saints. Now, why am I sharing some of this with you today? Because I want you to be prepared. Oh, but pastor, pastor, I was taught that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. What's the rapture? Is when the saints of God, those that are alive in Christ and dead in Christ, will be taken up when Christ returns at the at the trumpet blow. We call that our blessed hope. That is our assemblies of God official stance. That the church will be raptured before the tribulation. However, scriptures like this and other scriptures in Matthew show us that it could be that the rapture actually may take place sometime during the tribulation. Maybe at a halfway point, that's called mid-trib. Maybe before the wrath of God is poured out upon the unbelievers and the Antichrist, that's called a pre-wrath theory and some even hold to what we call a post-rapture theory. Now, I've always jokingly said I'm a pan-theology when it comes to the rapture. What do you mean pan? It's all gonna pan out in the end if you're living for God. (laughs) But what I need you to be aware of is that you, I wanna challenge you that you don't just click off that you will not have to be aware of the Antichrist, his methods, his ways, the deception, the mark of the beast, the mark uh, 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 that, that we will be forced to take, all of these things that, that, that we don't just click off in our minds and say that that won't be for me, it'll be for unbelievers because I'm gonna be raptured. That sounds good and I hope it's true, but just in case, Some of those scriptures that refer to a mid or a pre-raft theory, and I'm not trying to be introducing because there are so many scriptures that show all of these uh, theological positions, but I fear that sometimes the church says, I'm going to be raptured and then they're not worried about what will happen in the end times of this tribulation period. And so here we see that the saints, He was given power over. Now, those saints could have been those that got saved after the rapture. That's true. However, it doesn't say. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. I'm reading in verse 7 of Revelation uh, 13. He was given this power, and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, and all whose names have been written in the book of life belong to the Lamb, that was slain from the creation of the world. So here we see that he will have this ability in his communication. Thirdly, can I tell you that the Antichrist will be a political genius? What do you mean, is Well, the Antichrist will emerge, first of all, from really a, a relative obscure place. He's called the little horn in the political systems of the world. But he will rise up and be elected to rule over and reunite the whole Roman Empire and really to become the leader over a one world government in this day and this time. The Bible says it's possible because there will be so much chaos that is happening in that time that there will be a cry for peace. And he will rise up to bring that peace and that unity. The chaos, which is called the beginning of the birth pains, might be because of the rapture, but it also might be because the tribulation has begun and the tribulation that begun is the beginning of the birth pains and out of that is this chaos and there's this cry for peace and assurance and he rises up to bring the unity and the peace to the world. Therefore, he will be seen as a ultimate unifier and the ultimate diplomat. And under his power of diplomacy, he will unite and bring together and nations and their political parties will begin to be lined up and they will begin to come under a one world government. Now, up until just the pandemic, I always wondered in my mind, how will he unify the governments of the world. How will the governments all come up under one rule and one policy and one authority? I always wondered, how is that gonna work? Like you, I've been in other countries, been around other languages with language barriers and government barriers and travel barriers. How will there be a one world government? And then in 2020, we know the pandemic hits. And within weeks, There was a unity of governments around the world. Now, it revolved around getting a vaccine. At that time, there was no vaccine, but protection from the coronavirus that then led to a vaccine that then led to you couldn't travel or do this or do that. If you didn't have a vaccine card or you didn't have 15 boosters or whatever it may be, all of a sudden, everything did what? It aligned. Now, I'm not talking about a pandemic and a virus because what we're going to face at the end of the age will be far greater than have you been vaccinated or not. You see, what we're going to face at the end of the age will revolt and and result to the very essence of our being as believers, and that is who will we worship? Where will we give our allegiance draw the line in the sand and say regardless of what will happen to me in my life and my family this is my stance no you won't travel <laughs> no you'll be you'll be trying to get under the radar you'll be trying to find a way to survive because the scripture is very very clear and we'll read it in a moment of what will take place nations will be will be realized into his political uh, policies what the united, united nations have tried to do for years matter of weeks and months will be accomplished not only will he be a political genius but he will be a commercial Genius economic policies it'll be the beginning of birth pains and in those birth pains will be wars and famine the economy will be collapsing there'll be a cry for peace and in this one world government will become a one world currency and that one world currency will make the Antichrist the CEO of the world's economy he will set interest rates stock prices and values supply controls and chains now, some of you have theories that that's already happening. I don't know if that is, but in the end days, it will happen. And there will be one that clearly will be the one that's leading that. And under his leadership, everything will be nationalized under his personal control. Now, somewhere in the middle of that tribulation period, until the second coming of Christ, no one will be able to buy or sell without his Permission. Daniel says it this way, it's not on the screen, but Daniel 11, 43, he will gain control of all, of all the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches. Daniel 11, 43, Revelation 13 says it this way, he will force everyone, we read it earlier, small and great, poor and rich, free and slave, to do what? To receive the mark. On his right hand or on his forehead. Why? So that no one can buy or sell unless they have the mark. The mark is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom, the writer of Revelation says. Because if anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is the man's number, and his number is 666. Now there's a lot of speculation as to what is the mark of the beast. All we can see here in our biblical uh, prophecy of in time studies is that somewhere here as the Antichrist appears on this one world scene now in this tribulation period, those that understand God's word that know the truth, will begin to understand and will begin to recognize, their spiritual eyes will be open to recognize what is the number of the beast. It will be some kind of mark. Will it be a tattoo or a chip or, or some other device in the right uh, hand or in the forehead? We don't know for sure what it will be, although we do know, let's be honest that there is already within the world today, technologies that could come into place where your whole medical records, your buying power, your purchasing power, everything could already be implanted in some way and you can be tracked. I was coming through passport control a couple weeks ago. I have this thing called global entry. It's a great thing. I walk up, miss the whole line. And I come up to to the thing I don't have to put my passport. I don't have to do anything. All I do is I look at the screen, and by my face, it kicks out my tag or my entry. It's got my picture. It's got all of my stuff. You see, we're being tracked now. Let's be honest. You're being tracked by your phone. You're being tracked by Google. You're being tracked by Safari. You're being tracked. You're being targeted now in media and marketing. Pastor Candy and I rented a vehicle the other day, and as I was driving it, all of a sudden, my, my, my cell phone, my Apple cell phone alerted me that something within the car, AirTag or something, was tracking me. And so when I clicked it, it had my whole path that I had taken in this vehicle. That's already happening to you and I. Facial recognitions, all of this technology. The reality is it's coming into play. And what we must be aware of is that when the Antichrist comes, there will be a mark. Maybe we will be raptured, but if the tribulation happens and we're not raptured, I want you to be aware of what will come on the scene. So our eyes are alert, our hearts are alert. We begin to ask the Lord to direct us The beast will seize, the Antichrist will seize power over every person on earth and he will will force them, force them, you will be forced to make a choice. and The choice will really come down to where is your loyalty. You see, the mark is not just about buying and selling, it's not like another credit card, it's not just tap your card to get gas, track your, 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 your medical records all in one place. No, no, it's more than that. It's about the loyalty of your hearts. You see, if we take the mark, it's irreversible, and we're declaring that our loyalty will be to the Antichrist, and, and we know that the instrument that, that, that the Antichrist is is for the enemy of your soul, Satan himself. Every person alive will be forced to make a decision. Will I give up ownership of my life and take the mark? or will I fight to survive? Now what scares me is that if we're not alert, if we're not aware, if we really don't believe that some will be deceived and will take the mark. The Antichrist economic policy will be very, very, very simple, take my mark and worship me or starve and die and try to survive. It's a very simple choice. Man, at that time, church, let me tell you, you've got to be unified. It cannot be about political parties. It cannot be about philosophies and all of these things. We must be unified. I might have to help you and you may have to help me. We might be surviving. Yes, we may be raptured and if we are, we're rejoicing. But the reality is if we don't get raptured before the tribulation, we must be aware. And the Bible says that in the end times, There is so much deception that will take place. Revelation 14, one more chapter over. Revelation 14, verse nine, it's not on the screen, but it says this, the angel said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, if anyone worships the antichrist and the image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too, The one that worships the beast or receives the mark, they too will drink of the wine of God's fury. That wine has been poured out in full strength into the cup of his wrath. The one that receives the mark or worships the antichrist will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb of God. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. Hear what happens if you receive the mark. Hear what happens if we're deceived. Forever and ever there will be torment. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls, verse 12, Revelation 14, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to the end. Now, do you see why I keep warning us? We may be raptured. But the scripture says it calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. The only warning I can give you today is don't take a mark. Pray that God will open your eyes chaos rises when a one world government begins to evolve when a one world currency begins to take place when you begin to see the signs of the time become aware become vigilant prepare your hearts don't be deceived so as i wrap up today i give you three action steps i hope you'll write them down because it'll help you and protect you the first action step of living fearless and deceptive times is first of all, we've got to apply the Word of God to our lives. Apply His Word. Apply yourself to the Word, His Word to your life. Learn to get into the Word. Timothy says it this way. Paul says it to Timothy this way. Chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this. Be aware of this. Make certain you know this. There will be terrible times in what? The last days. They're coming. Terrible times are coming. The next chapter over, uh, one chapter back he says this in Timothy. Go back for me to the next one. Timothy 2 verse 15. Timothy 2 15. Study to show yourself what? Approve to God. A work that needs not to be ashamed but that can rightly handle the word of God. My challenge to you is don't let Sunday be the only time that you're in the word. Man, as good as the teaching and the preaching is and all of our campuses, this is not enough. You gotta live in the word. You gotta love the word. You gotta learn the word. You You gotta live out the word. It's gotta get into your heart we recommend a devotional method that we call SOAP S O A P SOAP stands for first of all daily get into scriptures let scripture speak to you read portions of the scripture the second letter of soap is O and that's observation What you're reading, begin to observe what's being said. Why is it being written? Who's the writer writing to? What's the situation and the circumstances? Let observation come from the scripture. The A is application. How does what is written apply to you and me? Many times God will take his word and it becomes what we call a rhema word, a revelational word. His word comes alive in your heart and it's the very sword of what you need to fight your spiritual battle that day. How does it apply to you? And lastly, prayerfully make a commitment off of the word that you've been studying. Say, Father, I embrace it. Father, forgive me. Father, help me to apply it. Father, help me to live this out. Father, forgive me where I've allowed my heart to be deceived or I've bought in or I've walked this way or I've done that. Apply it to your life. So the first principle is apply yourself to the word. If you do, you will know the truth and the truth will protect you. Secondly, don't allow yourself to be deceived. I'm making it a point. I've preached all sermon about it. Just guard your heart. Stay in the word, learn the truth. And as you do, you will protect yourself. Thirdly, and lastly, be watchful and prayerful. Jesus says this two chapters later in Matthew chapter 26 of this whole passage. Jesus encouraging the disciples speaking to them and teaching them, says to them, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. How do you fall into temptation? As we become blinded and deceived. So Jesus says, watch and pray that you won't be deceived, that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Father, we stand guard. Father, we're gonna be watchful. We're gonna keep pressing and praying and serving and doing everything we can so that we can walk filled with the Holy Spirit, embracing the power and the anointing of his spirit. Can I hear an amen? Stand with me across the room as we pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, the anointing of your word today. And Lord, as we look into your word, we know that through it is revelation. And today I ask, Lord, that you'll take the revelation of your word that's been illuminated to our hearts and give us strength, preparing us, alerting us, encouraging us, because as we come into the end days, Father, you tell us that there'll be great deception all around us. And I pray, Lord, that we will be a people whose eyes are open and alert so that we will not be deceived. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.